With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, we're not recording during a basketball game week. This is, um, this is revelatory. Yes, also, I guess, happy uh, we've won two games in a row and, like, what, six of seven, and the Georgia Tech team looks really weird now instead of, like, maybe a uh, harbinger of, of the whole program. You know, future concerns. <laughs> Although you never know, the, the people who thought it was an indictment of the whole program, once the Isaiah Stewart news dropped over the weekend, they, they just went right back to it. I tried to get out in front of that and like be like, "Hey, everyone! I don't think Isaiah Stewart's coming to Syracuse." Definitely that not coming seems here. Like, like I think we're running pretty clearly like fourth out of the five schools, arguably. Um, and Washington was like everyone down the stretch. This is like, yeah, it's gonna be Washington. And I guess like a lot of people thought it was like worse because it was Washington. I'd much rather him not go to Duke. Um, yeah, I'm fine with Hop getting a five star. Like I don't think one recruit is going to determine the future of the Syracuse basketball program. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I wasn't that upset about it because like it seemed to be going that way the whole time. So what what can you do? Yeah. Also, he's probably a one and done. Also, until we find out definitively that Mike Hopkins isn't coming back, um, anything Hop does well at Washington reflects well on us. Yeah, I mean it's it's just like. I, I, I had, like, two sides of Twitter on, on my case over the course of, like, four days. One side of which was basically, like, Syrac- Syracuse messed up by letting Hopkins leave, which I don't know what that means. Like, he went and took a head coaching <laughs> job. I don't know what you could have reasonably done to keep him from doing that. Um, and then some people went on as far as to say that Bayham should have retired. Nope. I think it's kind of crazy to say that Bayham should have retired coming off of uh, one, I mean, a really, like, nice and silly tournament run last year. A couple years removed from a Final Four, um, recruiting, you know, it hasn't been what it was in, like, 2010, but it, it's, you know, we have, like, blue chippers all over the place every year, pretty much, again. Um, the team's starting to round into form. So, like, are you really going to run your Hall of Fame coach out of town and replace him with his head coach in waiting, who, obviously, I don't blame him, like, for whatever the whatever the mediocre record was during his stint as head coach. Four but, and like, five. Four and five, yeah, so it wasn't great. I don't think that reflects on Hop. I think he's done a nice job at Washington so far, but, like, were we really going to run Bayheim out of town because of Isaiah Stewart? Like, is that what we're doing here? Um, Grass is always then, greener, Dan. Yeah, seriously. And then I have, then after the game against Pitt, I was like, you know, you could, I think I, I, I how dare I say that uh, there are, are uh, I think I said many things, and maybe maybe many was a harsh word. Maybe I should have said a few or some things you can criticize Beheim for uh, in terms of like you know his coaching of the team. Uh, there are valid complaints, um, but like he outcoached Coach Tate on the stretch in Kent's Duke, and then like the team looks to be really like doing really well, and whatever he did with Chukwu has seems to be working. And I basically like you know I'm a pretty big Beheim fan and supporter all the time, and have never really wavered from that. But then I had people telling me that I was crazy for criticizing Beheim by saying there are things you can criticize him for. So make up your mind, Syracuse. Fun, 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 fun week on Twitter. Love it. Love the platform. No, honestly, like Syracuse fans are gonna make me mind. <laughs> like. Like just 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 pick the pick the battles and like yeah I, I do feel like at this point like there is a growing there's a growing anti Bayheim camp it's always been there it's and just, no it's always been there it's, it's getting more vocal but like it's getting more vocal for all the wrong reasons that's why whenever like a, a, something happens with Bayheim like he says something dumb which happens like once a year or uh, like some of the other things that have happened over through the years and people are like oh the Syracuse fan base will like go 
tour to any length to defend Beheim. He's like a king there. I'm like, you do not <laughs> yeah. know what you're talking about. There are people like that for sure. And there are a lot of people that wish Beheim would have retired like in 2004. <laughs> like, it is it is not a Joe Paterno situation. Yeah. There are definitely like, there's a segment of the fan base that is like that. And there is a giant, not a giant, there's a very vocal, larger than you'd expect fan base that just does not like Jim Beheim. And it's actually like shocking how big that portion is. So um, I liked, I mean, I'm, I think Beheim has more than earned the right to retire whenever the hell he wants. And I think at the same time, you can say, like, I wish the offense was a little bit more forward thinking and uh, progressive. But at the same time, we've seen, like, aside from that Georgia Tech game, it seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, I think, you know, while while we didn't maintain the same torrid pace um, as the Duke game in the in the pit win, I felt like the second half was a real you know, kind of nice bit of progress. The team shot well from outside. It seemed like they were spreading the ball around. It seemed like they were using different options. Tyus Battle is still the center point of it, and I think that that can be something that better teams than Pitt can game plan against. Um, to your Beheim point, yeah, I, I would direct anyone who says that Beheim walks on water in Syracuse, which is true to some extent, but to say he, he, he doesn't get criticized, uh, head to the Syracuse.com comments um, after, after any close win or any loss. And, and you will find a much, much different story um, than the narrative that, that is being peddled in that regard. Yeah, the, uh, the battle thing is, is, I think we're starting to move towards a place where battle has, is browning into the player that we were hoping we were going to get this year. Um, his points were damer down, like, one full point, which is fine. Um, he's taking more than two fewer shots. He's making the same amount, and he's shooting over 45% from the field. He was only at 39.9% last year. His three-point shooting is actually down. But I think part of that is he's taking up almost half of the amount of threes as he did last year. Um, he's not forcing a lot. He's taking he's hit so many big ones that it's almost surprising that his percentage is that low. And we have more options from deep, so I think it's kind of masked it. So I do think we're, we're seeing battle play to his strengths. He's actually getting to the free throw line more too. Um, but we, we are seeing him play to his strengths a bit more and uh, seeing a more efficient player there overall. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the player that, you know, like you and I talked about, like during the offseason, at the beginning of this season, like if Battle's numbers take a slight step back and his efficiency goes up, that's a win. And, and so far, yeah, he, he's, he's absolutely rounded into the sort of player that SU needs him to be and really like NBA scouts need him to be um, if he's going to be able to stick around, you know, that, that first round-ish um, projection that he seems to be bouncing back and forth from. Um, between a late first and an early second. But in any case, like, Battle's obviously shown himself to be um, the type of guy who is who is well-rounded, who can, you know, take over a game with his scoring. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the lazy comparison is Malachi Richardson for a lot of folks. But I think, to be honest, like, Battle has a much longer resume um, of that sort of uh, play and sharpshooting. And I, th- I think a, a more impressive inside game um, at the collegiate level. So uh, it's not to only boil his game down to that, of course. But in general, I, I think Battle has sports a much uh, a much better uh, collection of skills and a, and a more maybe well-honed collection of skills than, than, than Richardson had at that point. Um, he'll still probably go later than Richardson did, however. But, you know, anybody who gets him could end up with a really nice addition, um, again, whether it's in the first or second round, and a guy who is able to, you know, come in off the bench as a spark. And, like, there's a lot of players who have done a really nice job in the NBA coming off the bench and playing 20 minutes um, a night and, and just knowing how, to, knowing how to, 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 you know, get a hot hand and then stay hot. Yeah, and I can see him being a guy who, like you said, comes off the bench and spark on offense. I can see him being a solid defender on the wing. Um, he has that size at 6'5", six, 6'6". Um, he's rebounded the ball better this year. Um, he's actually, I think, one of the more under-discussed under things is, uh, I think his ball handling's gotten a lot better. Um, we're seeing more of those, like, almost James Harden-style step-backs. Um, but he's down, his turnovers are down, like, pretty significantly, uh, down from 2.4 a game to 1.7. And I, I think his usage rate, if we had, like, the advanced numbers in front of us, is probably down as well. But I don't think it's down so much that that explains all of that. So... Um, I do think that we're seeing some of like other things on the fringes that he has worked on. The one thing that just isn't quite there that would like really put him over the top is is that really uh, exceptional three point shooting. But I do think it's better than the numbers indicate, just based on like the the, the critical like nature of the shots he has hit. Um, and I know it's it's hard to like measure like someone's clutchness or whatever. But um, 
I, I it, it he's, he makes the shots that really really matter uh, at a really really high clip. Yeah, I mean in college basketball, there there's only a handful of players every year that you would trust with the ball in their hands and to take that last shot, and you know battle is is certainly one of them. Um, I I don't know that many people in college basketball this year that I would trust over him. Like I if I like really went through it, I'm sure I'd find a handful, but like. Even in that Duke game the other night, or are you trusting? And I think RJ Barrett's a magnificent player and is going to be probably the number one or two pick, and it's going to be great. Uh, at this point in their careers, I would trust Ty's Battle to make a shot over RJ Barrett. Now, that's not saying I wouldn't trade them or something, but in like that one situation, I think Battle just has it. He just is, has no fear in that situation. Yeah, and, and that counts for something again, especially at the college game where um, you have a lot of you know teenagers, kids in their young twenties who are going to make mistakes. And if you have somebody who's got ice in his veins and is not going to make that sort of mistake late, um, that that is a you know an intangible advantage that can't necessarily be boiled down to to stats. Yeah, there's definitely something to having veteran player. I was going to say senior. He's not a senior. It just feels like it. Just anyone who's like. Second semester sophomore feels like a senior now in college basketball, <laughs> but um, there is something to having a veteran team, and I think we are seeing that a bit uh, as we we move forward. and And like I said earlier, the, the Georgia Tech loss really kind of sticks out now because we've won now six of seven games. We've beaten three not great, but three like decent ACC teams by double digits, and then we also beat Duke at Duke, and had and that includes like then two of the like not great, but but like solid non-conference wins at the end there. So it's like a weird, like we've looked, if you just took away that Georgia Tech loss or made it like just swapped in a team that's more of like reasonable, like you just turn Georgia Tech into, uh, I don't know, who's like a mid-level ACC team right Miami. now. Yeah, like Miami on Thursday. If you just swap that out, you we'd feel like probably great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, Georgia Tech's just not very good. And then showed it again this weekend. I, I think they got blown out by someone this weekend. They might have. I forget who. But Georgia Tech in general has been like, has played us really close. Um, yeah, historically, like through since we joined the conference. Yeah, like I don't really get why. Because the team, not like they have like a clear identity. It's not like they're de- designed in a certain way. Tech's just managed to, to play us close and, and beat us a couple times actually on our home floor, which is annoying. Um, I, I think in general, like, you know, we said going into the ACC, Syracuse would win one that they weren't supposed to and lose one that they weren't supposed to, at the very least. Um, we've already done both of those things. Yep. So, yeah, now now I don't really know what happens next. Um, if, if, if we just go chalk the rest of the way, you know, I think SU is going to be sweating it out um, come Selection Sunday. But, again, a lot of that, too, depends on how they do in the ACC tournament. Um, I said before the ACC started that SU, SU could go 10-8 and eight and not really – pick up any any big wins that would get them into the tournament um the duke win at duke obviously resets that conversation i think a 10 and 18 syracuse team with duke uh, with, with the duke win on there probably gets in again probably dependent too on the acc tournament and also dependent on who those other losses are if they just lose to teams that they that they were supposed to i think that they're probably in if they if they drop a couple that they're not supposed to but then also if you're still going ten and eight, maybe even eleven and seven, then you're probably also picking up a couple more upsets. So, um, you know, if we can avoid losing to a team like BC or really like none of the ACC teams are in that like, you know, uh, bottom of the barrel like from an RPI slash net standpoint this year. Um, so y- you get to avoid even if you lose to BC like we miraculously do like every other year for some reason. Um, BC is still about 120th or so. Um, maybe to 150th um, in terms of relative strength. So you're not necessarily you know dropping to the to the lower caliber of team that you were um, you know even a couple of years ago when they were as low as like 250 to, to 300. Yeah, like even the, the dregs of the ATC are, are definitely like a step above where they have been, and there are just plenty of opportunities for like solid solid wins going forward. So I, I think 10 and 8 with the Duke win. Um, as long as we don't have any, I mean, I don't, again, like, I don't know that we could have a horrendous loss, but um, as long as, like, you know, we keep things pretty uh, on pace. Let's avoid um, losing at home anymore. Yeah, that'd be good. And then, I mean, it seems played so well on the road that, like, <laughs> that also makes me feel pretty good. Um, yeah, I think 10 and 8, we'd probably still be, like, discussed in the bubble. I'd feel better about it this year than I have the last two. Um, but uh, I think 11 wins pretty solidly gets us you know what we need to have yeah i, I think i think 11 is definitive because 11 probably includes 
um, you know, a win over somebody like NC State, UNC, um, maybe Virginia, Virginia Tech, like one of those teams. And, and that's, again, that, that should mean Louisville, too, is in there. Like, any, any additional win like that, I think, should put them over the top, assuming they just take care of business the rest of the way and then maybe win a game or two in the ACC tournament. Yeah, and, and the ACC tournament, I mean, we did, what did we win, one game last year or two? Yeah, we won one last year. Yeah, but we happened to, like, see better last year. It'd be nice to, like, continue to improve upon that after so many years of just not being able to do anything, which was really annoying. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we definitely dominated Wake. Thank you again to Marek Dolzhai. Um, oh, it was a UNC game that we, like, we, yeah. I mean, I was there. We hung, we hung in there. It was not, like, a bad showing, but it was a tough draw for the second game. Yeah, I mean, that, that's always the issue with the double bye. That's always the issue with, you know, um, the, the way it works. I think it's, what, the 10-11 game? Or, no, 10-15 game. We're like, yeah, if you're the 10 seed, you're better off because then you get you get a win against the worst team in the conference to start. Um, and then you get to jump in um, with, with a day head start and a little bit of steam in the next game against the 7th seed. And then you get to jump in against the two seed instead of the one. Like you basically get the, the ten seeds a better spot than the eight or nine. Yeah, it's sort of played that played. I think it's played the played out that way pretty much every or almost every year. Yeah, I, I remember. I think it, like it didn't for a few, and it's also hard to quantify because uh, for like a three or four year stretch, there was at least one ACC team that was like not allowed to play in the tournament. Yep, us once. Us once. Uh, Louisville once. Uh, Maryland once. Uh, yeah, everybody just playing their part to making it uh, an incomplete data set. But yeah, I think if we if we can get into that like top six range, I'm feeling a little bit better just in terms of like how the the bracket shakes out. Sorry, what was that? Said so I feel like uh, you know I'm if we break it to the top six or so, I'm feeling much better about how the bracket shakes out. Oh yes, one hundred percent. I mean, to be honest, and right I, now we are. <laughs> we are, and right now we're we're tied for first with a lot of other teams. Um, I do not want a double buy, however. I mean, I'll take the double buy if we're going to win that many games. That means we're in. But yeah, if we if we that's the thing about the double buy. It's like if you obviously it'd be nice to win the ACC tournament or go far, but you have a double buy in the ACC. I don't see a situation in which you're not making the NCAA tournament. Correct. And making the NCAA tournament with like a top like six seed at worst. Which is probably still in play for us. Yeah, 100%. If we just, like, tear it up, win 12 games, like, it'd be hard. Like, you'd have a lot of things going your way in terms of, like, the team playing better at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Um, Frank Howard, which you could debate, like, how much that's had an impact, but, like, it it definitely looks better since he came back and it's gotten healthier. And then Duke went, obviously, puts us over the top, probably. So there's a lot that can happen. This team still has, like, pretty much everything – I'd say everything from, like, a four-seed or probably a five-seed is, like, the absolute ceiling. Um, unless, I mean, maybe we could go higher if we, like, won the ACC tournament or, like, won out or something. But in terms of, like, realistic ceiling, I still think, like, it's pretty high uh, in terms of how we how we get into the NCAAs. Obviously, getting the standing incredibly far ahead of ourselves. But um, it's, it's fun to, to think about that versus, like, where we were, like, two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Like, in, in people can see, too, like, we don't have to necessarily, like, reach those probably overstated, you know, top 15 goals that that people seem to assign to us before the season started. And a lot of SU fans, maybe self-included at times, uh, assigned to us before the season started. Um, you know, a, a good season, I think, still ends up being, you know, somewhere around top 25. Um, win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm not going to count our, our, our pennies yet and say that we're there because we're not. But... Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, this team playing itself back to the top 25 would be a nice accomplishment. Um, I, I think it would be, you know, in, again, indicative of, of, of a team on the upward swing. Um, we'll see what happens the rest of the way, though. I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by the, the level of play we've seen. I don't expect us to score 95 a game, but uh, I, I think if we, can, if we can get back above, you know, 75 or at least get 275 on a regular basis or close to it in conference play, um, I, I think that this team becomes very, very dangerous um, when, when combined with their defensive prowess. Yeah, they weren't quite running like they they do, or they did in the Duke game against Pitt, but I think it still was like, 
a bit more appealing than than like even the Clemson game and obviously the Georgia Tech game, which we can like never talk about again. Nope. Um, they definitely like. I, don't know. I think that's definitely their sweet spot. Like if they're if they're playing at a pace where they can get around seventy five to eighty, I think we're in in pretty good shape. Because that means they're getting up and down. Um, I think that we we've seen that pace benefit Syracuse in the past, especially with te- it means teams or it likely means that teams are taking bad shots against the zone. Um, and we saw we saw that like in, in stretches in that pit game where like Pitt didn't play terribly, but they were just like you know five minutes at a time where they just couldn't figure out the defense and. While we never like fully put them away, I think we got our we got the distance like well enough in the the late second half when we I think we we're up like fourteen at one point and and they fought back a little bit, but um, it was never like so close that it, it got too spooky even with it being Pitt, a team that has had our number for so long. So um, it'd be nice if we if we can keep that going, and it is it is cool to see that we've you know handled Pitt, Clemson, Notre Dame at Notre Dame, which is a tough place to play pretty well and that makes me feel pretty solid going forward at least against that like bottom half of the ACC um, that we can like beat those teams by 10 and it doesn't look like a crazy it's not like we play it out of our minds or anything right uh, redirecting a little bit uh, to the wider college basketball uh, conversation we'll, we'll we'll get back to, to Syracuse um, at the other half of this podcast I think um, but Dan, who do you think are your your one seeds right now? Keeping in mind what's going on in the uh, in the Virginia Tech North Carolina game as we speak. Yeah, um, I think you have to put Tennessee in right now. They just look great. Uh, they are sitting in one. I think they're the new number one team in both polls. Uh, I think I would still have Duke, especially after that Virginia win. Agreed. Um, they look really really good, especially even without uh, Trey Jones, and they should have him back sooner than later. I was kind of. I mean, not to, like, root for injury. I, I was kind of hoping he might still be out when we played him again. Uh, it doesn't sound like that'll be the case. Um, and he was obviously a huge, you know, I mean, you just saw it in the first couple minutes in that game. He was making a, he was making Frank Howard's life hell. So uh, he's a really, really important part of that team. And they played awesome without him against UVA, a very good UVA team. Um, I will, hmm, behind them, I think I'd probably bump UVA down for now, although I, I kind of expect him to be a, a one, maybe two at worst by the time we get to the end of the season. Um, I still like Michigan. Uh, they're 17-1. and one. They had their first loss at Wisconsin this weekend. They just seem very balanced, um, and, and I've just really enjoyed watching them this year. And then I feel like after them it's either Virginia or Gonzaga, and... You know, I'll, I'll stick with Virginia. It was a, it was short, a close loss at Duke, so I'll, I'll stick with Virginia as the fourth one. Yeah, I, I buy that. I, I think for me, it's going to be Duke one, Tennessee two, uh, Virginia three, Michigan four. And yeah, and then you have the Zads, you have Michigan State. And then I think that's a pretty st- solid cutoff. I don't think you're putting Nevada with that loss no. and some other shaky performances anywhere near. They're probably not even a top two seed right now. I know the, in the polls are at number seven. Um, Vodtac's about to get stomped, or I think they're still losing pretty big at UNC, right? It was 19 last I saw. Yeah. Um, Kentucky's not there. Kansas looks very shaky. Marquette, I'm not buying. So, yeah, I think the, the number ones are, like, a pretty clear group of five from which the four number ones, and I think there's a pretty big drop-off after those five. Michigan State, I actually haven't seen enough of this year, so I, I'm not going to cast too much judgment on them, but I don't think they're number one. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that so far. I think my, my, my two seeds are probably, like if I'm just applying an arbitrary cutoff, are probably Michigan State, right now at least, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, and I don't know, probably the Zags, and then you knock Auburn down to the three line. Yeah, after the loss to Kentucky. Uh, there's like... I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, the twos don't stare you that much based on being twos, but, like, there's a large group of teams that'll be, like, kind of tough three fours. Yeah. And then the ones, even the ones that, like, I don't think anyone's going to, like, go see Tennessee, and I know they're very good. I don't think anyone's going to be, like, super, super afraid to play them, even if they have, like, a pair of really, really good players, and they've, they've obviously earned it. It's just, like, I think Duke is probably the scariest team in terms of just on paper, but they're obviously beatable. I mean, we've done it. Gonzaga's done it. Gonzaga without one of their best players, us, uh, you know, scrapping together. Um, so, like, there, uh, this isn't a year where there's, like, one team that's... Obviously, Duke has, like, the fire, the, the star power, but um, they're not, like, head over heels better than, than a lot of these other teams. So I, I think this is going to be a pretty competitive tournament throughout. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's a lot of, I mean, we don't have to go through the whole bracket, but I do feel like, you know, when you look at teams competing for that three seed, on the three line too, like these can be really scary three seeds. Teams like Vatek, teams like uh, UNC. If Michigan State ends up dropping over there, uh, Marquette, I know you mentioned, has a team that could jump up. Auburn that we talked about too, like Texas Tech's in there, Iowa State's in there. Like there's, I mean, even Houston is a scary team that like probably won't have the strength of schedule um, necessarily uh, to get them on that three line, but a team that could be really scary at the four and really be hell for a one seed in the Sweet 16. Like there, there, there's definitely a lot of there's definitely like you said there's a there's a clear like group for in competition for that one seed. Uh, you know those four one seeds, but then after that, like there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the middle there that you could see a team that's like a two or three seed caliber end up in a five spot and like really pissing people off. Yeah, it's it could be like a, a real mess trying to seat these things. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of time to like sort itself out, but right. I can definitely see that. Oh well. I mean, hopefully it's our problem, I guess, if we uh, if we do really well. But worst case, uh, worst case, it's not. And worst case, uh, we get to listen to other people bitch while we hopefully make another surprise run. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. Um, quick note just for Lewis. Um, my wife just got home, so I'm going to mute for a sec, help her out to get back inside. Um, and then they'll go to another part of the house and then we can continue the podcast in like two minutes. Cool. All right, so I'll be right back then.
All right, I'm back. Cool. All right, so uh, I think we're about halfway. Why don't we talk a little, uh, little beer, a little halftime? What do you, uh, what have you been drinking, Dan? All right, so again, didn't have too much new stuff. Uh, I was mostly working on what was in my fridge. I had some more of the Captain's Daughter by Graysale, which I brought up the other weekend. Uh, I had some more of the Stolpin that I have. Um, I did have some all-day IPA, and I guess the one new thing I had, which I'm not even totally sure what beer it was. I checked into the one that I think it was, um, even though it says that this is no longer made. So I, I think this this could have been anything. It was it was called Wally's Winter at the bar that by me. Um, there is a Wally's Winter from Bull and Bush Pub and Brewery, uh, I in Colorado. I don't know that this is that beer. Uh, but it was pretty good for a winter. It had it was like very flavorful. Had like real, uh, a lot of like nutmeggy, uh, sweeter uh, notes, but like surprisingly drinkable for how dark it was. So that might be the from the Colorado Brewing, even though it says it's not brewed anymore. Uh, it might not have been. Um, I don't really know how to uh, figure that out. But it was the closest name match, and it looks generally the same. It's just kind of a random thing to be at the bar by me. <laughs> I trust it. Yes, I also looked and like someone else had checked into this one on Untapped at the same bar as me. Although it looks like most people check in at the actual brewery that it's brewed at, so I really <laughs> it, it, it could have been like someone's home brew that they put on tap or something. <laughs> they called Wally's Winter, um, but it was good. So if you're at the Wallace in Harlem, uh, the Wally's Winter is solid. It's also also the tap handle was like I think they like hand wrote it with a sharpie. So though it's a it's time. Of <laughs> Like I honestly feel like it might have been, it might have been like a house brew, even though they don't usually do that. I'm very I'm confused by the whole thing, but but I'm rolling with it for now. I I I feel like you did your due diligence, and and, and I, I I respect where you netted out. <laughs> so it's called Wally's Winter. There is another beer also called that. Um, I don't know the same beer, uh, but they might be. <laughs> All right, somebody go investigate. Uh, a couple things I had. Um, Firestone Walker had a new IPA out, the uh, Santa Lucia IPA. It was really good, West Coast style, so a uh, big fan on my end. They also had the uh, the new Luponic Distortion, uh, number 12, the latest in their uh, kind of rotating series. Uh, really good. Again, lighter IPA, only 5.9%. Um, there's tangerine, uh, some honeydew. Definitely like, tasted like a session, but uh, was a little bit higher on the ABV mark. Um, was over at Smog City down in Torrance over the weekend, and had uh, they had their Infinite Wishes, their uh, their annual uh, like bourbon barrel aged uh, Imperial Stout release um, come out. So I had their uh, their flight of all the uh, variants. They had the 18 and 19 um, on draft. They also had Mocha Infinite Wishes, which was basically tasted like a perfect blend of cold brew and uh, and an Imperial Stout, which was absolutely delicious. Um, had their coconut and vanilla variant that was super good because uh, it was fresh. I feel like with coconut and vanilla, they kind of fade as flavors pretty quickly um, in bottles, so it was nice to get those on draft. And then they had uh, French Toast Infinite Wishes, uh, which had like cinnamon, and, and, and it managed to, despite having cinnamon and all these other like kind of sweeter flavors in there, it, it didn't taste like cloyingly sweet, and it actually like balanced out really well. So I was, uh, I was really glad to, to see that and really glad I got to taste that. Um, also had a, uh, a wow pop, uh, pale ale from Smog City when I was down there. But, uh, yeah, that was it. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if you guys get the, uh, Firestone Walker variety packs out there, but, um. Uh, I don't know if we get the variety. We get, like, the, 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 the basics that they roll out, um, the IPA, and, uh, there's one other one that makes out a lot. But I'm not sure if I've seen the variety pack too much. Well, if you see it, Variety Pack is great. It had right now. It's the only way you can get the Santa Lucia IPA, um, and then Luponic Distortion was actually dropped in there first. Um, but they had the 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 one Variety Pack was the Santa Lucia, the uh, Luponic Distortion, um, Easy Jack, their like British style IPA, and then uh, and then uh, no, that, sorry, that's their session, and then they had Union Jack as well um yeah union jackets around here a lot too i'll, I'll take a look out that's my go uh, shopping yeah i mean as far as pricing goes like 14 15 bucks or a 12 pack of like really good beer and then like I'm, I'm usually not one for variety packs but i felt like uh this particular one was well worth the price nice yeah 
So uh, pivoting a little bit, everyone's favorite topic during basketball season, football. I know. Several people just dropped off. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk basketball again, I swear. We're going to talk a little, bit, a little bit about football first, however. Um, we have actual news to talk about. So it's we do. Not like- yeah, th- th- this is totally fine. This is, this is news that dropped last week. Um, Dan, I already made my case online a bunch that this is actually about as good of a schedule as you can get. Uh, how about you? Yeah, no, I think this is a, a very, and we've talked about it before, we've known our, we've known who we're playing for a while. Um, but even the, the way it lays out is super, it works out pretty well. Um, we have the two road games to start. Um, I know I've harped on that we should always start on the road because of the fair. Uh, we start on the road for two weeks. Um, I don't necessarily we need two road games all the time, but it, I'm fine with it because it makes our home opener the Clemson game, and hopefully we're two and zero. I think there's a, a a very good chance. I won't say like we're going to. I would say there's a a very very good chance that we will get college game day for that game, um, based on uh, basically the only real like there there aren't great alternatives that week. Um, as long as they don't give it to Clemson for week two, and even then, there's no rule they can't they that they won't feature the same team twice in a row. Um, I think they'd like to avoid it, um, but I also think there's a very good chance that they go to Texas, who is hosting LSU. Texas hasn't hosted Game Day since 2009, um, and they should be one to know, I believe, to start. Right. So I feel like there's a very good chance that Texas gets week two. We get week three for our home opener at two and zero rematch of last year's very close game, first time at the Dome since we upset them two years ago. The national champions versus an upstart ACC team. John Wildhack is probably already on the phones working on this uh, for our first ever game day game. And we know that game days like to do that more often. Like they went to Wazoo finally this year. They went to Indiana. I don't know if it was the first time, but it was one of the first times last year. Um, They like to mix it up a little bit. So it's not always, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, whoever. Um, So I, I think I think there's a that'll be fun. Then we have WMU and Holy Cross, which is a nice come down from the Clemson game. Our buys are weeks are October fifth and November 9th. so really well positioned, I think, to to give us rest when we need it. Um, our first buy is ahead of a game at NC State, which is a tricky one. They're always you know pretty solid. I think they might take a step back this year based on losing Finley and a couple other players, but um, I'm pretty happy with having a buy before that game. Our second one is before our last two road games, or our last two games which are both on the road. Uh, which is maybe one of the only like things you could criticize is, is fin- starting and finishing with two road games apiece. But that means well, we get wake we too. Really, sorry, we get wake too after Louisville. If you're looking, we, oh, yeah. I, if you're looking, if you're, looking, if you're on, looking at the blog, unfortunately, yes. an ad yeah. pops up right in the middle. <laughs> That's of exactly that. what happened. Um, okay, so that makes me okay. That that does make more sense. Uh, the, the authorized generics, whatever the hell that is. Uh, ad uh, shout out to. Uh, Ad choice, whoever the the provider is here, uh, pops up directly before that last thing. It was at the bottom of my screen. Um, yeah, so so then before two road games, which is good too because those are winnable games. So I think these are really well laid out here. Um, I think the home road splits are pretty favorable. I mean, we should the only the only home game I think will be underdogs in is Clemson. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is like we, we think this team has a pretty high ceiling, and, and even the floor I think is higher than we've been for a while. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a fan of what we have going on here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn as to where I'm starting this year's um, how, how the Orange finish, whatever record. Um, in the past, it started at three and nine. It's not going to start there this year. Um, I feel like it's probably going to have to be somewhere. I think five and seven is a fair, like worst case, yeah. you know, post because like, I would be very surprised and very disheartened if we went five and seven, but I think it's fair to have like one losing record in that list. Yeah. I think five and seven is fair. I'll take the bullet there as always. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll march up to nine and three from there. Uh, James, my dog will get 10 and two. And he'll explain to you how, how SU ends up in the Orange Bowl. And, yeah, it, it'll be a good time. But, uh, yeah, th- this schedule is about as uh, is about as favorable as you can get uh, when it comes to the layout. Um, there's there, there, there are a lot of toss-up, potential toss-ups on here and a lot of games we could lose. That I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pretend that, that we're just going 10-2 and two and that's it. Like, there's a lot of games we could lose. Um, but, yeah, l- like you said, too, 
there's only one game, at least right now, that we're, we're not going to be favored at home, and that's Clemson. Uh, the only game on the—I think we'll find a couple games we might not get favored on the road, but like even the game at NC State, it's going to be a pretty close line. Um, at Florida State— At Florida State, it all depends on how they are. Right. Like, yeah, by that point in the season, who knows? Duke and Louisville, like I don't think Louisville's going to get back right away, but Duke, um, they played reasonably well without Daniel Jones last year. Um, David Cutcliffe just always has the team well coached. I think— you know, having having a, such a manageable November, like there's an easy way for us to get to six wins before November, and then to have four potential wins in November is huge. Like I, I think this is the most manageable November schedule I can remember as a Syracuse yeah, football fan. If anything, we've had backloaded schedules, and this one is like not even front loaded; it's just well dispersed, and it's also just not a hard schedule to begin with. Yeah. Like we're getting we're catching some teams on what should be a down this year. Um, we're catching a couple teams that like usually are better, like Louisville, who obviously comes coming off a disaster season, and um, will probably have some growing play pains under Satterfield. Um, not that I don't think he'll get them back to like a pretty solid place. I just think year one is a tough tough sled. Um, Wake, you know, they're Wake. I think they'll be fine. Same with Duke. Like these aren't these aren't like bad teams. They're no. just like you kind of know what you're getting. They're like a solid sit seven win team maybe they and it's not crazy to think they might have a slide for a year um so yeah i mean it's clemson it's florida state's a wild card um i think nc state's usually fine Pitt's usually fine bc's usually fine like these are all like the teams they kind of like what we saw this year and we won most of those games um it, it depends on what series i think a lot of the schedule depends on what syracuse looks like versus like having to avoid some minds on the in the uh the schedule here yeah, I totally agree. I mean, last year, you know, in your traditional um, toss-up games, you went three and one. If we can go two and two or three and one again this year in those toss-ups, you know, we're probably bowling. Uh, three and one, I think you're definitely bowling, um, just because you've got you know Holy Cross, Liberty, and Western Michigan the non-conference schedule. Um, I do love the buy placement. I know you mentioned it too. Having Holy Cross and then a buy um, basically gives you two weeks to really rest up a lot of starters, um, and then you get the short week at NC State. But again. You do get pretty much like two and a half weeks prep for, for NC State, which is enormous. And then with the Friday night game, instead of having what would be um, a short week against Pitt, is instead yeah, so you, like a kind of a weird extended week. Yeah, you end up with an eight with an eight day week, um, you know, to prep for Pitt in, in, in what's going to be a national game and a game, national game that nobody will watch um, outside of the two fan bases, if even the two fan bases bother tuning in. So a Syracuse pick game. So a Syracuse pick game. Did, did no one tell the ACC when they scheduled this game that... Like, we don't care. We don't care. We they don't care. We our schedule forever. We would not care. And Pitt wouldn't care either. Like, no, they wouldn't. It's just the most boring, quote, rivalry, unquote. But, like, ever. who do they think just is watching no one, this game? There's no passion. But who's watching are, this game? Like, on a Friday night? Like, why did you waste... No offense, like, to either... Like, again, love Syracuse. Why did you waste a, 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 a prime Friday night spot on this goddamn game when it's destined for a nooner? Us and Pitt are like an arranged marriage that lasts 60 years, and then like one of the two dies, and the other one doesn't bother showing up to the funeral to be like, eh. <laughs> Fine, whatever. <laughs> we were just like ships passing in the night for a long time, but we were legally married. <laughs> I honestly wish they would, like, I think that us and Wake would have been more entertaining for like neutral viewers. We've had more. We've had more notable games in its wake in the last however many years since we've been playing them regularly, even before the ACC, than we've had against Pitt. Just like even like when we were beating Pitt regularly, Pitt was awful. And like how many how many like classic Pitt games? The, my my Pitt memories are like the fourteen to thirteen game or whatever it was that we actually won a couple of years ago at the Dome, and Chandler Jones not being able to return the interception because he was playing on one leg and we lost uh, bowl eligibility. And that's just a lot of just bad, like, and not just like not just as it was bad for Syracuse, just like not fun or notable games. Like, you know just... what though? Recent history has shown we've actually played like the, the 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 last almost decade. We've played like our closest like annual like collection of football games like that we have like pretty much ever in this series. Yes, but like all of the games just suck. Yeah, like, they're not like they're not fun. They're not interesting. Um, win or lose, like they're just. Blah. Yeah. Just not, like starting we've had fun games with. Like everyone else in the ACC, we've had moments. The NC State game this year was a blast. The NC State game that we won down there was was way fun, even if it was like a completely different type of team under Schaefer. Um, Florida State, like we've had interesting games with, and and even like the blowouts have had moments. 
Um, BC, obviously, I think is more of a rivalry. We get way more into that, even if that's not like the most exciting thing ever. Um, Louisville, same thing. We've had some really fun games with Louisville. Pitt, just like, no, it just doesn't matter. Ugh, I would, uh, it's just, I don't even know who I'd rather play every year. Just not them. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, like, Vatek or Miami would be more interesting, even if it would be worse for us. Well, this is why you just switch us into the Coastal, and then you just make BC our permanent rival. Yep. I would actually almost miss playing Clemson. I think the Clemson's, the Clemson game... The like, Clemson we're, internet we're just, rivalry has turned into a fun thing. It's fun, and also we play them hard enough where, like, I'm not super... Like, I'll be worried about the Clemson game this year, but I'm more like... It's it's so fun to beat them. Like the, the one time we've beat them, it's so fun to beat them. And then even this past year was like so close. The fact that we're like kind of becoming a th- and, and even what the, the AJ Long game, we we very well could have beaten them with uh, anybody but AJ Long and under center. Yeah, like if if we had any semblance of an offense, we would have three wins against them. Um, two at Death Valley, uh, or we could have had three wins against them. I don't want to like say we would have won this year, but we very well could have three wins against Clemson. Two of which are at Death Valley. One of which was with a terrible Syracuse team. Uh, so the fact that we're like kind of a thorn in their side is so much fun. Four, Even technically. They, you know, I, I, I'll make the stretch on the uh, on the 10-point loss of the Dome, too. Oh, yeah, that wasn't terrible. That, that's a little bit of a stretch, but it wasn't like a blowout. I mean, we were we in that game. blown out by them twice. I know. So, yes, <laughs> I, I, I would miss the Clemson series a little bit. Um, I, would tra- I would make the trade just because it would be good for the team. Right. Um, I wouldn't really miss Florida State. Um, as much as fun as it was beating them this year, like I, mean, I don't then, really have any. I mean, Knowles fans are fun for us, not anybody yeah. else, but <laughs> we're friends with them for some reason. Yeah, it's strange bedfellows. Um, yeah, it just the the rest of the Atlantic. Like we have history with Louisville, we have history with with uh, with BC, who would probably keep uh, Wake. We have like kind of weird history where they probably want us gone. They're over us at this point. Yeah, NC State fans don't like us very much, I don't think. No. Um, I might actually go with the NC State game this year. Uh, October 10th. Oh, it's a Thursday. Oh. Hmm. I mean, it could I'm, be I'm, fun. I'm really trying to go to the Clemson game. I don't know if I can go to another, but midweek, honestly, wouldn't be the worst thing if I could get back for Saturday. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to make every effort to get up to the Clemson game. It's my, my birthday weekend. It is going to hopefully be game day. Like I feel like really stupid if I miss that game. Yeah, I, if I were you, I would definitely be there. Uh, looking at these, plus, pit, oh, go for it. I was going to say, plus the nice thing about the dome, it's not like basketball where you have to like worry about where you're sitting. Right. Everywhere's great. Everywhere's a good seat. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's a subtle hint. Uh, go to the games, everyone. Um, yeah, buy season tickets. I might just buy. Like honestly, I may buy season tickets to get a Clemson ticket and just sell the rest for a meager amount to kind of make my money back. I don't know what I'll do about my friends' tickets, but like, I might buy two season tickets. Like, who cares? You're not paying more. You're probably going to pay more on the secondary market um, for one Clemson ticket or right. one group of Clemson tickets than you are for a season ticket. Or it'll be close. And if you're just kind of diligent about selling on StubHub, even if you only sell for 15 bucks, like, you'll make up the difference. Worst case, it's a donation for your favorite team. Right. Yes. And you get, like, a nice little mailer, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, agreed. Um, before we move on from football, one more thing. Uh, we, we were talking about Pitt for a little bit. Um since 2011, um, only two of these games have been like, well, I would say three of these games have been double-digit wins for either team. Both, all three of those happen to be pit, but only one of them was a blowout, the 30-7 to game in 2014 when we absolutely quit, um, and I was absolutely, I remember right, I remember the story I wrote still to this day, um, big surprise, um, about just how disgusted I was with the, with the just, completely mailed in effort from the coaching staff. I think that was the moment that Schaefer lost me. I think he punted on third down in that one. The old, the old G-Rob. Yeah, one of those, if memory serves. I actually like, don't really remember this game. I'm looking at the, uh, the bot store now. It was, it was undeniable garbage that just, like, Pitt just, it was one of those games where Pitt just did Pitt things. They just ran the ball. Um, they just did whatever the hell they wanted. I think... Uh, we punted on third on fourth and one. On our oh yeah, last, that our last that drive. was it. That was the one where like we punted on fourth and one when the game was already lost. And I said like, "Are you kidding?" With me? seven minutes left, down thirty to seven, we punted on fourth and one. Right. And Riley Dixon, of course, punt had a, a great punt <laughs> and pick up for a penalty. So we ended up putting him back to the three. But that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But yeah, like look at the rest of these games. The thirty-three to twenty. Oh my god, Mitch Kimball started this team. Yeah. The, I do remember the this. 2014 remember, like, in a nutshell. 
Oh man, that, that season was trash. Um, I actually like. I turned off. Was, I think the final game of that season might have been the Duke game, or no, that was the final home home game of that season. When I knew that we weren't going to be bowl eligible, but then like that sealed it. I remember like just stopping watching at halftime. Like I can't do this to myself anymore. You know what's sad is there's some like memorable Syracuse players in this team. Like Prince Tyson Dolly was still playing for us right. and had a fumble on our like second drive on the first play. Um, uh, Irv Phillips obviously was on this team. Uh, Jared West is catching passes. It's like unfortunate that like this team couldn't figure some more stuff out. There was like guys who deserved better on this team. Well, you knew what was going to happen this season on on game one, like after 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 the Nova debacle, there was no coming back, and 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 oh boy, were we correct? Um, I was watching that one on my phone from a bar in Vancouver, ruining um, a vacation <laughs> by by just burying myself in Syracuse football for an entire evening. The the Nova game? Yes, the Nova game. I was in Columbia, South Carolina. I was about to. I was down there visiting my friends who were moving, uh, who just bought a house, and like six of them were moving into this house, like a post rad frat house, essentially. Um, and I was working remote the Friday night when that game was on, watching it on my friend's TV from his old apartment that he was moving out of. But I was by myself, uh, working on stuff for my job, and then getting ready. Uh, getting ready to then meet up with him afterwards and it was just so depressing and then I thought that was bad and then that was the game where South Carolina got absolutely railroaded by Texas A&M and uh, and uh, the quarterback who transferred to TCU um, Kenny Hill Kenny Hill that was a back game which was like oh boy. What, like uh, the Villanova game was not the low light of my football I mean I didn't really care that much but like it was not the low light of, of mine or my friends football weekend at least yeah, I uh, can't blame you there. I uh, again w- w- wish I could redo that that entire situation. I wish Syracuse could redo that entire situation. Um, I won't bother going through these pit games. I feel like we've moved on, but um, yeah, these the scores indicate something that's not there. Like anyone that looked at the last four games would say, "Oh man, SU Pitt's a blast," and nope. they, they would be wrong. Um, it is not a blast. I... You know, the one the one time it was fun was the stupid record game. And we still lost. Yeah. And we still lost. By that 15. Game was fun. I will give people that game. That was a blast. That game was insane. I, I, knew, I knew things were coming unglued, like, midway through the third quarter, where, like, I started, like, piecing together something for, like, a, a recap. And then, like, I started saying, wait, nope, points are picking up here. Let's just hang around for a bit. We couldn't keep up with NFL talent like Nathan Peterman, so. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, last on the uh, docket for today, um, upcoming opponent Miami uh, Miami Hurricanes. Miami is the only team to lose to Florida State in ACC play so far since BC knocked them off last night. Is Florida State that they're struggling that bad? I didn't realize. Uh, I'm pretty sure they are. Because did they lose to Clemson? I think they flipped it tonight. Um, oh, did they? I haven't looked at the store in a bit, but I think they were winning relatively big. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll find. I'll look it up. Oh, um, burn rescinded. Nope, they are. Yeah, they're one and four. Yeah, I didn't realize that they had started that slow. I know they have lost a couple. But yeah, Miami's nine and eight. Um, I think they're still without one of their best players. Right, he's in NCAA hell. Ah, uh, yes. Um, dude who changed his name. Uh. <laughs> Never a great sign. Uh, it was Huel. Is he now? He's now uh, Duan Hernandez. That sounds right. Yes. Um, yeah, one of the best players uh, since eleven junior. Um, averaged uh, like twelve points a game last year, but like was definitely on the upswing. And he is stuck in in eligibility hell because I think he was involved in the NCAA FBI thing. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the reason. I assume so because Miami is. But, yeah, they just haven't cleared him. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing with uh, uh, Silvio D'Souza at Kansas, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that's not true. They're 9-8 they're and overall. Uh, they are in, towards the bottom of the ACC. Um, but it's still Miami. They're well-coached. They're talented. Uh, kind of similar to Georgia Tech where you just can't, like, totally rule them out. So um, I feel pretty good about it. But, um, you know, you can't, we can't totally count our chickens in this one yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand this team at all. They, uh... 
I mean, they lost to Rutgers, they lost to Yale, they lost to Penn by 14. They barely beat Houston Baptist. Um, Campbell gave them a little bit of a run. They Then they proceeded to test NC State. Uh, Louisville blew them out. They lost to Florida State, which again, Florida State, former top 25 team, now in the absolute cellar um, of the ACC somehow. Um, I Yeah, I don't really know what this Miami team is. They, uh, you, you'll notice the name uh, Vasiljevic, the guy who uh, lit us up uh, surprisingly a couple of years ago. I think we, I think we understand what he is now. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he, he's a very capable marksman from three. A lot of these guys on uh, Florida State, I mean, sorry, on Miami are actually. It'll piss off everybody that that mistake. Um, but yeah, they have several capable three point shooters. Everybody on this roster. Um, except for Abuka Zindu, uh, can shoot threes, uh, which could be problematic for us if only for the sense that um, it should extend the zone a little bit. Um, they're pretty accurate, uh, uh, you know, just on the floor in general, hit about 46% of their shots. Um, Chris Likes is obviously a player to watch with 18 points per game. Um, I think the rebounding... The rebounding's fine. I feel like we should be able to out-rebound this team. I feel like SU's recent uh, resurgence has been, in part, built on some quality rebounding. And, uh, yeah, I I think we're going to win this game, but Miami is super pesky. And if if some of the problems from the Georgia Tech game come back, this is another, like, stupid game that we lose and we should have won. Yeah, it's a similar team. And, like, basically the entire bottom of the ACC is going to be... I don't think Wake's very good. I think we'll we'll probably roll through Wake. But, like, BC has storing. They've given us trouble in years past. Um, I mean, I I don't know. Do we play Notre Dame again? I don't think we do. But we handled them. But, like, even Florida State, obviously they were ranked for a reason. I'm sure they're not going to go, like, 3-13 and in this league or whatever. Uh, It's just, like, there's there's no team towards the bottom of this league that's, like, just totally helpless, like like years past where you, you've had like your four and fourteen BC teams, and even those have had like some storing punch. So um, yeah, it's it, I don't think our team is quite good enough to really just pencil in any wins either. So I expect this Miami game to be pretty competitive, but I think along the same lines as as the Clemson Notre Dame games, like I think we'll win this one by you know nine or ten points. I think we win this one by six. Okay, because I I think something stupid happens, but we figure it out. Also, I said Florida State was playing well earlier. Um, I'm just starting to go right ahead and say, Florida State's not playing tonight. My friend texted a bunch of us earlier and said, Florida State looks really good. They're going to beat us later this year, aren't they? And I just took his word for it. Florida State's not playing. I don't know who the hell he was talking about. Um, they, they haven't played Virginia Tech. Well I, I, the Virginia Tech wasn't looking good either, so maybe. That was my first thought, but they're down like a million. So I have no idea who he's talking about. Mercer, so, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he, I don't think he listens to this podcast. I'm going to make him listen to this one just so he hears that he made me sound stupid on the podcast. Thanks, thanks, Eddie. I, I was surprised, if only because I feel like it was yesterday that uh, that Florida State lost to PC. Yeah, it was Saturday. No, it was, I think it was Saturday. It was, Saturday. was it yesterday? Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was the same day as our game against uh, Pitt. Um, he might have met Virginia Tech before they before UNC. Like I think maybe Virginia Tech was playing well, and then UNC like just went on a crazy run right after that. Either way, that's like the it wasn't Florida State, so I apologize for sounding dumb. <laughs> it happens. Just edited this out, but I had more fun calling out my friends on podcasts. Yeah, this is much better. Um, <laughs> all right, but before we leave, maybe just a quick uh, heat check here. Looking at the upcoming schedule, and that that is the rest of the regular season. Um, Dan, how many wins do you see here? Acknowledging that we're, we're not trying to jinx anything. We're literally just saying how many wins we see on this list. Okay, I haven't done this yet, so let's, let's, I'm just going to go down. Um, I think we beat, Virginia, beat Miami. Yep. I think we went at BC. Okay. Even though I maybe shouldn't, but I think we will. Uh, at Pitt, I think we'll win. I feel good about uh, how we match up in this pit. Um, I feel like we'll split FSU and BC. Okay. I feel like one of those will drop. So that's four. Uh, NC State's tough. Uh, I think we'll lose that. I think we'll beat Louisville weirdly. I think Mac doesn't really know how to coach against us yet. I think we'll beat Louisville. Um, we're not going to beat Duke twice. 
<laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> We're not going to beat UNC. Uh, I think we'll win at Wake. I think we'll win at Clemson. All right. Is that, is that 12? Did I just talk to us in the 12? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven. That gets us to 11. Hold on. Let me go down. One, two, three. This is great. This is Francesca Est. Uh, <laughs> four, five. You saw Francesca yeah, what he I, did. Okay, I, I did seven. So seven plus the existing four. So 11. So yeah. So I was doing winning 11 games, which is, I think that gets us into the tournament yeah. pretty comfortably. Agreed. I don't know if you saw what Francesca did today. I did. It was wonderful. <laughs> for, for those who weren't following, um, Todd Gurley posted a photoshopped uh, picture of him exchanging jerseys with the ref um, from the game. And <laughs> Francesca thought it was real and then went on like a whole thing about it um, on his radio show. And then had to be, I'm shocked he even admitted he then found out it wasn't real. Like, usually he'll just let it ride. Like, I'm pretty sure he still swears that Al- Albuquerque isn't a person. <laughs> or that he didn't fall asleep that one time. Christ. Uh, okay, if I'm looking down the schedule, um, I'm seeing a win against Miami. Um, I'll take wins at BC, at Pitt, against Florida State. Um, give me the win against BC, too. Um, I think we lose at Wake for some reason. Actually, no. I think we lose at Clemson for some reason. Um, That's very fair. Yeah, I think we lose at Clemson. Give me a win at NC State. However, um, I think we lose to Louisville at home because we kind of fall asleep at the wheel looking ahead at Duke. Uh, I think that three-game losing streak uh, gets everybody a little nervous. Uh, we always have one of those now, so you probably like, you know, it's in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't think I had us doing it, but um, we we always. I mean, I could we could easily lose to like BC, NC State beat Louisville or win one of those NC State Louisville games and then lose to Duke UNC and then lose four or five and everyone will be upset. But we do that every year. We always have a bad like four four or five game stretch now. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think it'll I think it'll be this one. I think Louisville, Duke, North Carolina, I think that's 0-3. I think we bounce back with a win at Wake. I think we lose narrowly to Virginia at home in what ends up being not a game day game. Uh, or not a game day game, but a big Monday. I think it's big Monday for sure, but I don't think it gets the hype that it would normally. Um, if only because we are only like a week removed from that rough stretch. Um, and then, yeah, I think we lose that game at Clemson because we kind of uh, aren't really as focused as we would have been otherwise. But um, that still gets us to the same 11-7 and seven mark. It gets us another quality win. I think that win in particular, um, I think the Louisville win's good. I think a win at NC State locks it in, um, barring some like for another first-round exit in the ACC tournament and some other nonsense happening on the bubble. Cool. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I almost feel better about, like, 12 than I do 10. I, obviously, I'm not, I'm not like, going to gas up this team too much, but, like, I think I think it's just, we've looked much better than worse. Like, we had one really, really bad performance, which does happen, but, like, generally things are trending quite well, and, I don't know, I think, I think uh, I'm just going to be optimistic and say we're not going to do this whole bubble thing again. I think we, we're, doing, we're due for our first, like, actual solid tournament berth in a while i sure hope since, you're what, right 2014 <laughs> yes since 2014 and we started 25 and 0 and then proceeded to lose a bunch get probably under as a four and or a three we were i think right uh, yes and then lose, or three or four i don't remember and then we lose to dayton and then yeah a dayton team that you know got to play at home and then whatever yep Ugh. <laughs> I'm actually going to be mentioning that game tomorrow in an article about the biggest gut punch games um, of recent Syracuse memory. So for those who would like to weigh in, you'll be doing that uh, at some point this week before or after this podcast post. Anyway, uh, Dan, anything else before we leave? It's been another fun one. Uh, no, feel pretty good about things. I think... Uh... Luckily, we've had this. I mean, the, the Duke. Uh, thank you for everyone to put up with our Duke podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't mind considering how things turned out. It would have been a very weird listen if we had lost, um, but it was what we ended up doing that night anyway. So this is a little bit more conventional, but uh, fun nevertheless. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I got a. Uh, the people who loved it, loved it. The people who hated it, hated it. So, uh, so I, I, I noticed, which is is a theme with this podcast. I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> agreed. 
Uh, all right, Dan, thanks as always. Much appreciated. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, everyone, you can listen to Troy Noons, an absolute podcast on Blog Talk Radio, on iTunes, on wherever else you listen to podcasts. That's numerous other services, apps, whatever. Um, and go orange. Go orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.